Good morning, God's wonderful people. Here we are today, another day to give God thanks and to bless his name, to glorify his name. We have a day in front of us to give praise to our God, to sing aloud his wondrous praise on this earth, to sing praise unto our God, to praise our God to the next generation, so that onward from us it will continue that God is forever praised. We have another chance today to fight the battles of life, to fight those battles and to make God the champion of our lives. We have some habits to get rid of. We have some things that we need to take out of our lives, some things we need to change, some laws to obey and some things to conquer. Let's do it today with the strength and courage that God has given us. And let's be assured that our God will never leave us nor forsake us just like he promised. Life is filled with limitations, but the more you know about who you are, those limitations will eventually fade away. If you want to get rid of the limitations in your life, you have to learn about who you are. You have to know who you are. And as you become aware of who you are, you begin to eradicate those limitations from your life. This is what we're here for in our study in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we want to eradicate the limitations from our lives. And so we embark on this journey of identifying who we are as a warrior of God. As a warrior, we want to know our true identity. And our identity lies in our creation. The identity of any item or object is found in its creation. Because in its creation, in, it, in its construction, in its manufacturing, that is where it receives its purpose and its intent. That is where all things that concerns it are defined. In the drafting room or the design room is where it was designed and planned and you know specifications given to it. In the room where it's manufactured, that's where those plans are executed. So in the manufacturing of a thing, that is when it receives its identity. So we're talking about the warrior's identity. And we're looking at the phrase, our image. We are analyzing the word for image, the Hebrew word for image. And that's the word, Salem. We continue our analysis today of the very first letter, the Sadiq. Now, each Hebrew letter has a name. And therefore, they have a meaning and an identity. This also gives us more fields for analysis and allows us to analyze each letter. And like I've told you, the, the Hebrew language is a dynamic language because of this particular feature of the Hebrew language. So let us look at the name of the letter Sadiq. The name of the letter Sadiq is spelled with a Sade, a Dalit, a Yud, and a Kof. Right? So the letter Sadiq is spelled with a Sadi or a Sadiq, a Dalet, a Yud, and a Kof. The gematria for the name of the letter Sadiq is 204. And let me tell you how we get that. The Sadiq is valued at 90. The Dalet is 4. The Yud is 10. 
and the cuff is 100. Add that all together, you get 204. So that's the gematria for the letter Sadiq. It's named, the name of the letter Sadiq. The letter itself values 90, but the name of the letter, its value is 204. Now, the number 200 is a number that has been associated with, with insufficiency. However, we also see that the idea of expectancy to be united with, we see that coming out of this number. In our research, that's what we see. Now, we don't think and we're not saying that this idea of the 200 being associated with insufficiency is not there. Maybe you can see it, but in my research, I've not seen that. However, we see the idea of expectancy to be united with. The first place we see this number is in Genesis 11, verse 23. And the first place you see a word in the Bible, that will tell you what the word is all about. And in this case, this number, the first place it's used will tell us about this number. This is not something strange because in computer programming, in, in programming, you learn that any, any object you're going to use in the code must be initialized. So that means if you're going to use an object in your coding, it doesn't matter in what era of the coding you want to use it, you must initialize that object. You either initialize it at the beginning of your code or you initialize it the first time you use it in your code. Now we see this happening in the scriptures where the first time an object or a word is used rather in the text that is going to initialize that word. It means that that word is going to be used there and it's going to be defined in that context. So the first place we see the number 200 being used in scripture, that is going to teach us about what that number signifies or what its spiritual significance is. So let's look at the first place we see this number appearing in the scripture. It's in Genesis chapter 11, verse 22, 23 rather, where it says, Sirog lived after he begotten a whore 200 years. Now there, the context here is that 200 is the age of Sirog when he begat Nahor. The name Sirog comes from a word which means to intertwine or wrap together. Right? To be intertwined or wrapped together. So here, the 200 is connected to Sirog, which comes from a word which means to be intertwined or wrapped together. Now, this might seem a little out of it for you to, to, to say that 200 spiritual significance is to, is to be intertwined or wrapped together. Maybe this one evidence doesn't do it for you. But let's look at the next occurrence of 200. We see it again in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 14, where we see Jacob made a present for his brother Esau. He was returning home after running away because Esau, his brother, had vowed to kill him. Jacob prepared 200 goats and 200 hues, 200 she goats and 200 ewes. The text says clearly that Jacob prepared these items for a present to Esau. Jacob's intent here was to soften his brother's heart. To make Esau tender-hearted towards him. He wanted to be reunited with his brother. That's the intent. That's why he made the gift. And he sent the gift ahead of him so as to soften his brother's heart. So that when he arrives, his brother's heart would have been softened by the gift and his little children. 
and so receive him and, and you know, be reunited with him. So that was his intent. He wanted to be reunited with his brother. The number of each other gift that Jacob gave also bears this out in a remarkable way. He gave goats and of the goats he gave 200 she goats and 20 he goats. The sheep he gave 200 ewes and 20 rams. For camels, he gave 30 milk camels and their colts. In other words, these were camels who had young. They were giving milk to their young. They were, they were nursing camels. So they 30 milk camels. For the cows, he gave 40 kine and 10 bulls. That's 40 cows and 10 bulls. The donkeys, he gave 20 she asses and 10 foals. Now, I want you to understand, my friends, that everything God says or records as a significant message. What is written is written for our edification, as is stated in Romans 15 verse 4, where it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. Patience, my friends, because there are some things there written for your learning that you're going to have to search out and dig into to understand. But when you understand it, it will give you comfort and hope. The fact that the numbers of each gift item is given, it means there's a message here. The fact that each of these things are specified, there's a message, there's a lesson here to be learned. The specific nature of the gift also means that Jacob was saying something as well. Let's look at that. Each of the numbers in the gifts that he's given, each of the numbers, they align to a letter of the Hebrew Aleph Bet. Because we know that each letter has a value, a numerical value. So when you align these numerical, these numbers to the numerical value of the letters and associate them with those letters. And also if we group each of these letters according to the kind of animal given, we end up with a Hebrew phrase, which when translated says, Make tender hearted towards me who this is for. I'm not going to go through and cipher through each of the, Hebrew, the, the statement itself in Hebrew, but the Hebrew phrase that is constructed when you group these letters that these numbers refer to, you end up with a phrase that is translated to say, make tender hearted towards me who this is for. That was Jacob's prayer. This was a prayer of Jacob's heart. It was expectant to be reunited with his brother. So again, here we see 200 being associated with a situation where Jacob was desiring to be united with his brother, coming together. So Sirach, the first use, it talks about being intertwined or being wrapped up with. Here we see Jacob desiring to be united with his brother, being wrapped up with. Let's give another, another incident of this 200. We see this again, this number 200 again in 1 Samuel 18 and verse 27, where it tells us that David slew 200 Philistines in an effort to be united with Saul's daughter in marriage. David wanted Saul's daughter as a wife, and he slew 200 Philistines in, with the expectation of getting Saul's wife to, to be Saul's daughter to be his wife. So again, we see the 200 being associated with the expectancy of being united with someone. So the spiritual significance of 200 is the expectancy of becoming intertwined or becoming one with or united with someone. That is what we see when we look at this number 200. So here we see 204. 
Let's look at number four before we put it all together. The number four also has spiritual significance. The number four always has reference to all that is created. It is emphatically the number of creation. It is also the number of man in his relation to the world as created. While six is a number of man in his opposition and, and, and independence of God, it is a number of things that have a beginning of things that are made of material things and matter itself. It is a number of material completeness. Hence, it is also referred to as a world number and especially the city number. All things material are permeated by this number four. Everything that is material. And that's why it means material completeness. Let's see this. There are four dimensions to reality. So anything that you have in this real reality or in this physical realm has four dimensions. There are some who believe that there are more dimensions, but listen, not in this realm. Not in the physical realm. In the physical realm, there are four dimensions. There's a dimension of length, width, height. And the fourth dimension is time. Now, when you think of this, my friends, you have north to south. That's one dimension. You have east to west. That's another dimension. You have above and below. That's another dimension. And you have time. So all of reality is permeated by this number four. We have four seasons, four cardinal points. Let's put it all together now, my friends. 204, therefore, is showing that the Sadiq, the righteous man, is intertwined with God in creation. That the righteous man is one with God. That is what the Sadiq is showing us in his gematria. That the righteous man is intertwined with God. 204 is also equivalent to two other Hebrew words, which adds to the revelation of the Sadiq. 200 is the value of the letter Resh. 4 is the value of the letter Dalet. Resh Dalet spells the word Radad, which means to tread in pieces. That is figuratively to conquer or specifically to overlay, to subdue, to beat down, to hammer out flat. Right? The reverse word or the reversing of these letters is also telling as it relates to righteousness or the righteous man, which is the second word. And that's the letter Dalit Resh, which spells the word Dar. That word Dar, it means mother of pearl. That is the hard, pearly, iridescent substance forming the inner layer of the mollusk pearly um, oyster. The oyster shell. It, trans it is translated white in Esther 1 verse 6. Now, both of these words tell us of what being righteous means. Here we see the second one, Dar, speaks to the substance that, you know, that, that is on the lining of the inner part of that uh, mollusk or oyster shell. Which is speaking of white, that, that, that color, a pearly color. Is like an iridescent substance. But it's translated white. Now both these words tell us what being righteous means. One, being righteous means you have to subdue and conquer that which is not according to righteousness. This reveals that being righteous is a choice man has to make. It is built that way. 
Man is built that way as the image of God. But he has to choose to live that way, follow that way. Man must choose whether he wants to live according to that which contain him or that which he is. You have to choose whether you're going to live according to what you live in, the world, or you're going to live according to who you are, the image of God. It's a choice. It's when God made man, absent that choice, would just be a mere robot. You see, a robot is programmed to do everything. Everything a robot can do is pre-programmed into its, 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 its system. But when God made man, God did not program man, but he gave man the freedom to choose, the ability to make a choice whether he wants to live the way God created him or he wants to choose to live another way that he chose. The freedom of choice was given to man by God. Even though God made him in his image, man had to choose to be that image. That's the wonder and the marvel of God's creation of man. The second thing that we learn here in these two words, the radad and the dar, the dar speaks to the pureness and radiance of righteousness. It speaks to the pureness. Righteousness is pure, white, and it's radiant, which means that anywhere you perform righteousness, it will be seen. It cannot be hidden. Righteousness is something that radiates. It blesses those that are around and it calls attention to God. This is what the Sadiq is teaching also, my friends. As it is the first letter of Salim, it is teaching us that this word, Salim begins with the idea and the concept of righteousness. Righteousness, and specifically the righteousness of God, is what it's all about. That is what this is teaching us, my friend. That this righteousness of God is what Salim begins with. We want to look at the other letters. But like I've said before, that when you look at some Hebrew words, the very first letter used in that word, a lot of times contain the full essence of the word itself. In other words, it's the most important component of that word. And here we are seeing this being borne out. That here it talks about righteousness, Sadiq, righteousness. And we have learned that this righteousness is a righteousness that comes from God. Because the letter Sadiq is the nun and the vav, the vav connecting man to God. The nun is that fish or that seed. So righteousness is the seed that's connected to God. In other words, it is God's seed. And man is God's righteousness in this realm. That is what the Bible teaches us, that we are the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, Christ redeemed us to be restored to be that righteousness of God. So in Christ, we reattain that position of being God's righteousness. A tremendous lesson to learn here, my friends, that you are made to manifest and declare God's righteousness in this earth. You were created to manifest God and you are God's righteousness. Righteousness is the seed. In other words, God contracted himself in the form of a seed, and that's man. 
We are the contraction of who God is. We are not the full essence of God, but we bear in us. We are the seed, the righteousness of God. We are God in the flesh. So I'm saying, my friends, that Christ came to this earth and he's declared as God in the flesh. That's because Christ is the second Adam. Christ came to complete what Adam failed to complete. He came to declare and to show forth what Adam didn't show forth even though he was created to show it forth. That idea that God created Adam for was marred by sin. And so Christ came to restore that. That's what redemption is. God sent his son to buy us back to that relationship we had with him, where we are God in the flesh. That's what the name Adam declared. We have seen that. Now we see this letter Sadiq in the word Salem, us created in the image of God, again reiterating that we are the righteousness of God. That's who you are, my friends. And that's what the Salim, in its first letter, is declaring to us, that we are the righteousness of God. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23 says, But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and he shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. This is what God declared to his people Israel. And I'm saying to you today that this is still the desire of God's heart. To be one with man. To be one with mankind. God's desire is to be one with you. He wants to be wrapped up with you. He wants to intertwine with you. He wants to be in an exclusive relationship with you. He wants to become one with you. You are the righteousness of God. You are built and created to show him forth. That, my friends, is more reasons why you need to have a relationship with God. And you must have a relationship with God. Join that relationship today. Become one with God. And be all that you can be. Father, we give you thanks today for your goodness, your love, your mercies. Lord, we thank you today that you have chosen to be our friend, like your word says. That you have chosen to be one with us, Lord. Though we are your creation, we are the objects of your love. Your love that knows no bound, your love that knows no limit, your love that can never change. And nothing shall separate us from your love as your word declares. Today, Father, I pray that we will more and more, Father, open our eyes to see and behold how much you love us. And that God, in all things that we do, will do it from a heart that loves you. That your love will permeate us, Lord, in such a way that we are ever conscious of your love for us. So that, God, all that we do will become an expression of love to you. Let our hearts continue to show you forth as we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day now, my friends. And do remember that God loves you, and I do too. Shalom.